You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Today, tonight is a great day to start your own podcast. That's right. I said you should be starting your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel or you have a message that you want to share with the world or... Just think it would be fun to have your own talk show. I mean, we've all sat there in the mirror and pretended we were, you know, Arsenio Hall, right? No, just me? Okay, yeah, that's how old I am. But anyways, podcasting is easy, it's inexpensive, and it's a fun way to expand your reach online. And take this from me, Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. That's right. You can track it. You get all the statistics. You can see where you stand. You can see where you need to be. It is a lot of fun. It explains a lot of the mystery of how do I do a podcast? How do I make it successful? What are the things that I need to do? Buzzsprout helps you do that. It's all inclusive right there. And look, your show can be online and listed in major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. You take it right out of the oven and you put it right into people's ears. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and I can attest for that. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So it's time for you to join over the 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout, we know we sent you this, and you get a $20 gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. That helps you support our show. And also put some money in your pocket towards your show. So look, start today right here on Buzzsprout. Get your message out to the world. What up? This is Myron and you're listening to episode 24 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. The alternative underground back alley underbelly secret society speakeasy dive bar fan podcast about the seattle mariners and again this is me myron sumner i'm here i'm handing you episode 24 24 obviously is a special number in mariners fandom that is ken griffey jr's number if you did not know that don't admit that out loud definitely don't say it at a dinner party don't say it when you're meeting you know your loved one's parents. Definitely don't tell a cop when they pulled you over to the road that you don't know what 24, the number 24, means in Seattle fandom. 
anyways, uh, yeah, episode 24 is going to be our Julio Rodriguez wins the All-Star Week retrospect. We've heard all the stories. We've seen all the clips. I was there at the Home Run Derby in Dodger Stadium. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that here on this episode. We're also going to talk about, uh, you know, Griffey saying, hey, don't compare Julio and me. We're going to talk about that. We're going to see what we think about that. We're also going to talk about, you know, the Home Run Derby had some weird uh, rules. Not weird rules. I wouldn't, shouldn't say weird rules. They have some rules that it just, the system doesn't seem like it's working for crowning the right home run derby champ so we have a little fun and pitch some ideas on how we could change that or add some other skill competitions at the all-star game week we also dive in a little bit on the mariners draft at the end of the episode uh mainly more focusing on the representatives that were representing the teams but it's pretty interesting because there was a lot of ex-mariners representing teams And yeah, it's going to be a Julio Rodriguez heavy show. If you're not into that, then this is not your podcast. And if you're not into that, this, I don't know. I don't know what your problem is. And if you're saying, hey, Myron, you haven't brought up the 14 game winning streak and the Houston Astros series. What the hell is your problem? Have you forgotten what's most important? No, the answer is no, I haven't. In fact, episode 25 that is going to be dropping tomorrow on Friday morning is going to be pretty much our, you know, bandwagon's guide to the second half of the season. So basically, if you're kind of wishy-washy on list, um, or if you're not feeling so up to date on everything that's going on in Marinerland, and again, don't admit this at a dinner party, don't tell this to the in-laws, don't tell this to the cops, we got you covered, we're going to get you updated of where we're at and what we're looking at in the second half, including trade rumors, some Juan Soto talk. All of that's going to be on tomorrow's episode. Also, just want to say thank you for the people that have been liking and following and subscribing and writing reviews and giving us ratings. You know, I love five tool baseball players, but you know what? I love more five star reviews. So go ahead and click that like button, click that subscribe button click all those like positive things uh we really appreciate it here it's helping us get closer to our goals to where we can be fully monetized and we can get you more episodes more exclusive stuff we're getting pretty close thank you guys for your support all right so i'm gonna shut the hell up so you can sit back relax or work or walk or jog or clean the house or you know, sit at the airport or wait for an Uber in a Dodgers parking lot for an hour and a half and enjoy episode 24 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast that starts now. All right, Hanno. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about obviously the Mariners and getting back to business with the 14 game winning streak and what we have ahead of us tomorrow. Today, We're going to talk about it. We feel like we've soaked it all in now. The All-Star week that was the big win for Julio at the All-Star game. Did he win any titles? Did he win any uh, um, trophies or anything like that? No, no. What did he win, though? I think he won in the court of popular opinion. Don't you think, Hannah? 
Yeah, he sure did. He had a great all-star week. Yeah, I mean, the story obviously going in was Juan Soto uh, going into the series. I know Judge is having an MVP year. You have Otani there. You have, it's Dodgers, it's in Dodgerland, so you got Mookie, you got Kershaw making his first start, you got Dusty Baker coming back full circle and doing the All-Star game in L.A. where he grew up, you got Stanton coming in there and hitting, you know, the MVP winning home run in the actual game, hitting it to the seats where he got, where he used to sit as a kid, great story. And then you have Julio, who lost in the home run derby, but I think got the most shine and had the most stock rising of the entire weekend. And shame on you, Major League Baseball, for not booking him. And shame on you, ESPN, for not booking him. He should be center stage at the ESPYs tonight, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, he should. I Every player I listened to was talking about Julio and the rookie and the phenom. I mean, he was the talk of the players, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got Steph Curry talking about him. You got players in other sports talking about him. You got celebrities talking about him. You know, he went out there. He did his thing. And, you know, ESPN produces the Home Run Derby. You wouldn't think somebody was like, we got to get him on the show on uh, Wednesday. What did, did, Do they have a game? No. Do they have a game the next day? No. And they didn't do it. So whoever that is should be fired, if you ask me. Fire him right yeah. now. Shame on them. Shame on them. I want to go on their LinkedIn and see former employee ESPN. Uh, No, but I do feel like they missed a spot, especially when I stopped watching the ESPYs, and that's when uh, Russell Wilson and Ciara came out. Of course, they were presenting the Tillman Award, a very special award. I'm not taking away from that. But come on. You just missed a chance to have Russell Wilson and Julio on the same broadcast. It would be like, for Seattle fans, a complete eclipse. It would be like two superstar ships crossing paths in a foggy harbor in the night for us. But again, I don't think they care about what Seattle fans think. So, you know, my wet dream did not happen here tonight. But yeah, so anyways... uh, Actually, it's not a dream to have those two on the same show. I shouldn't say a dream, but I just think it would be an interesting moment. There would definitely be a lot of memes. Uh, but yeah. I have a little project. Well, once again, Edgar Martinez is using Eagle Hardware's incredible selection of brand name power tools for his latest project. And uh, here's a surprise. Uh, for once, it's not a bat. Oh, it is a bat. It's a light bulb. Eagle Hardware and Garden. More of everything. Yeah, I know you got a chance to uh, partake in the festivities since you live down there. Um, you made it to the Home Run Derby. How was that? Tell me about it from start to finish. So, well, that was how a, was it getting there? How was it getting there? It, it was fine getting there. We got there early, you know, hoping, uh, again, before I get ahead of myself, I went to the Home Run Derby. Yes, I, I know you mentioned that. Uh, I did not go to the All-Star game. I went to the Home Run Derby, though. And getting there, yes, it was pretty easy getting there early. We went there a couple hours before the event and went in for the batting practice. 
thought it was going to be a little bit more, you know, uh, more interaction with players and stuff than it really was. It was very, very hot. I was down the uh, first baseline. And like my girlfriend says, those baseball stadiums can be magnets for sun. This was a, a pretty... Uh, this was a pretty strong example of that. I pretty much got cooked that day down there. But, I mean, yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, for seeing a lot. You know, you see a lot of home runs. It's, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, uh, the Dodger Stadium, the way the place is, you know, visually, I just feel like next year it's going to be a lot more fun in Seattle. You know, is that a homer statement for me? Sure, but just you know it's an older stadium so like during that part of the day it's just really 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 sunny and i don't know if you watched the broadcast i have not but i don't know if it looked really hot down there but it was it just didn't seem like a very like for fans just it there wasn't that comfortable level that you get that you get at t-mobile park yeah i mean it looked really hot and uh, Dodger Stadium is built like on a hill, like, but in like a amphitheater type feel. Am I correct? It's it's in a it's in a ravine, you know, Chavez Ravine, off the five and the one ten and where the ten is over there. It's you know just just east of downtown. You know it's an older stadium. It's cool. It's fun. I mean they've done some stuff out in the outfield. There's like a nice outfield. Uh, like lounge or bar where they have $35 micheladas. That's right. $35 micheladas waiting for you out there. You know, it's Dodger Stadium. I will say they have a very, very strong fan base, very passionate fan base. I know they get a bad rap a little bit, but look, they love their fans. And the interesting thing compared to other all-star events that I've been to, it was a good 90%, maybe at least 85% Dodgers fans in there like they wanted to come out and watch this event in their home park yeah it looks like that on TV that nothing but Dodger fans did you happen to see any other Mariner Julio fans in attendance besides yourself and, and who you were with I did run into a few Mariner fans not quite like when you go to the Angels games or the Padres games but there were a few of them Luckily, <laughs> I ran into them, but luckily I didn't get all of my uh, rye bread and mustard cards taken away. I had a few left on me, but yeah, on the way in, security told me the those told me that my cards that have our QR code on it are not approved by the Dodgers or Major League Baseball or whoever they took them from me. But they didn't get the other ones that I had in my wallet. If you got those, you got series that runs only maybe about eight deep. Um, probably only had about eight cards. I probably gave them all out. So I probably ran into about eight people uh, that were Mariners fans. So next time we need to have a meeting with either Matt Johnson or Rob Manford before to get these approved? Yeah, I guess so. Or I got to get a better smuggler in my crew. But, you know, he... But, like I said, Julio seemed to win over the crowd. It was pretty interesting. He had to start first. And if we're going back to the home run derby, where was he seated? He was seated sixth, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, sixth. Yeah, so, I mean, he comes out right out the gate against Corey Seager, a guy who, you know, brought the Dodgers a World Series ring. Also, you know, hits in that park very comfortable left-hander it's hot out he knows he's used to playing there 
I, you know, it was a bit stacked up against Julio there from the get-go, but he went out there and he put, what, up 32 in the first round? Yeah, and, you know, kind of, you know, waiting to see exactly what he could do. The way he came in there and just took off, you know, you hear about players saying the first time in the Derby, it's so different not having the cage behind you. He looked like a natural. He was spectacular that first round and really got the crowd on, on going on behind him. Yeah, and like, you know, look at the competition he had in the first round. You had to put up 32. I think Kyle Seeger, I mean, uh, sorry, sorry, Corey Seeger put up a good number. I think he got to at least 20 or right around there. You couldn't just, it seemed like his opponents that day, you couldn't just put up 15 and 16 and be safe. Yeah, like you said earlier, uh, Seeger, he's used to hitting there. Fan favorite got a little bit of a nice applause when he got introduced, but the key to me was uh, uh, Julio's um, mate, the uh, batting practice pitcher. That guy was just grooving him in there. Yeah, he was. And you know, when they're doing this thing, they're pitching every five seconds, just about. I know that they said on the broadcast or over the PA, they were piping in a little bit of stuff, but it's very strange when you're there because they're just cranking music and they're hitting. So you don't get to really hear the crack of the bat, which was pretty disappointing to me. I mean, you could hear it, but not like you can in a, you know, quieter setting in a game, even with the crowd cheering. You know, it, it's just kind of a little bit of a letdown in that way. But yeah, he cruised through Seeger. Next round, he's got Pete Alonzo, who won the Derby, what, two years running into this? So this would have been his third in a row. Yeah, he was going for the three-peat, the polar bear. The polar bear was going for the three-peat, but no, we did not have a Klondike bar for him. What we did was we had Julio Rodriguez with another 32 in this round. But, I mean, again, this is Alonzo. you got to put up a lot of home runs to, you know, feel safe. And I feel like Julio's strategy was just, like, out-hit everybody. Whatever's right in front of you, that's what he was doing. That's who he's taking down. Yeah, through both rounds, when he got in the groove, he was just unstoppable. Was the crowd starting to get behind him as the rounds progressed? Yeah, they it definitely it de- they definitely got behind him as the rounds progressed. Like I think it felt like the movie Rocky, at least to me, the Mariners fan of like you know Rocky Four when the crowds into uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, the Russian. And they're against Rocky, and then Rocky wins them over. It kind of felt that way, but also I could be romanticizing it a bit. That's how I felt. I had Mariner stuff on, so I was getting a lot of like attention from the crowd being like, this is your guy, this is your guy, you know, that kind of stuff. When uh, I was walking through the stadium, like I definitely felt like he started to be the fan favorite by the finals. So was it kind of what was the crowd like in the finals? Was it more Juan Soto or more Julio, or could you even tell? I felt like it was Julio. Like I was saying, I feel like Julio won over the crowd. But when Juan Soto started to get close to taking over Julio, it seemed like the crowd shifted back to Juan Soto. I don't think anybody really cared either way. <laughs> By the end of it, there were no Dodgers in it. There wasn't a lot of stakes. And definitely when that thing was over and all was said and done, it felt like Julio won. 
Well, yeah, he hit, what, about 30 more homers altogether than uh, Soto did overall. He did. And you know what? Some people are like, hey, well, he didn't play the strategy well as well as, uh, you know, uh, Soto. Soto played the strategy right, but he also had a lot easier path to getting to the final round compared to Julio having to go through Seager, having to go through Alonzo. Soto, you know, rank, being the ranking just helped him out a bit. I mean, when you got to beat Pujols, you know, at this stage in the game to get to the finals, it's not quite like taking out Pete Alonso. Yeah, you're right. And I also think, you know, with Julio going first and not going second, like Soto did in all three of his rounds of being the chaser, that was kind of a disadvantage. Some people might see it as an advantage where you get to go first and put up the number. But, you know, like we said, Julio put 81 out and swung a lot more than uh, Soto did and had the easier path for sure. He did. I would say one of the crowd favorites definitely was Pujols. When Pujols won in the first round, that was a special moment there in the stadium. It really was. Awesome. But Sounds yeah. like a great time. Otherwise, you got, other than that, you got cooked out there, huh? Yeah, I did get cooked out there. But, you know, I got up there pretty close to behind the plate for the last two rounds to watch Julio with a little bit of shade on me too. That was the other part of going over there, but it was fun to watch Julio stand out there at center stage and be comfortable and have a good time. I know as a Mariners fan, I've been watching this since spring training, watching the progression and, you know, to watch him up there, you know, on the big stage and stuff like that was pretty awesome. And he seemed very like effortlessly, like it was effortlessly, a you know seamless transition into you know being okay with being in the spotlight he seemed like he was in a great mood obviously crushing all those home runs probably helped also the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars he was about to get maybe a million while he was in the competition was making him feel good he seemed like he was walking on clouds i loved when he was spraying down the bat with the pine tar spray you know, just spray. I, I could definitely see, you know, if Copacino uh, Fujikata was doing this, I could definitely see a spraying parody a commercial for, you know, the CS Rise uh, <laughs> commercials or whatever the slogan would be. Yeah, you're exactly right. I could see that too. And I think you hit it on the head with saying comfortable. That's what I took away the most from watching it. Julio looked comfortable out there in his element and nothing faced him. And he produced. He did produce. He produced, you know, in a very stressful situation. And you know what? This loss, though, you know, the loss, I guess you could chalk it up to a loss in the home run derby. It's the first time I've felt a loss of any of my uh, sports teams <laughs> in like half a month. It was a very weird feeling walking out of there. But the crazy feeling was the crowd just talking with people and walking around and just, you know, vibing out and getting that baseball vibe out. The vibe was that Julio won this thing. And you want to know why I had the chance to talk with other fans about the home run derby? Because we sat in the Uber pickup area, sponsored by MasterCard. At the Oh, after the game? After the game. I was there, Chris, for 90 minutes waiting on our Uber. That's right. You could watch an entire movie. You could watch a quick, you know, quickly nice structured 90 minute uh comedy romp <laughs> in the amount of time we waited for our uber to get out of there it was pretty miserable 
Mariner catcher Mark Hill doesn't know we have hidden cameras. You guys ain't got no hidden cameras around here, do you? Oh, no, no. We just wanted to ask you about these two baseballs. Which one do you think is the whiter of the two, Mark? Well, I would say this one. It's all brand new and white. You picked this one here? Do you know which right. ball you just picked, Mark? You picked the Mariner's ball. No, you're kidding me. That's right. You gotta be kidding. No. Ball night is Saturday, August 16th at the Kingdom. Every kid 14 and under gets a new baseball free. I like this baseball. I would come to ball night. But, you know, that's Dodger Stadium for you. How I feel about Dodger Stadium as a, you know, host of an all-star game. Let me just say this. I don't mean to throw some shade, but I can see why they haven't been back for 40, what, one or two years there. It's just not set up for an all-star game experience. I've been to it in Seattle, been to Arizona, San Diego. All of these places have bars, restaurants, you know, a lot of the stuff around the stadium that you can do in Dodger Stadium, what you can do is wait in traffic to get to Chavez Ravine. That's really, you can't tailgate there. It's very, it just feels like this all-star game was at a wedding, you know, with like strict rules where there, you know, no open bar. <laughs> and, you know, it just, it wasn't, it just didn't have that, it just didn't have that big community feel that I think you're going to get next year in Seattle with T-Mobile. No, I feel you. Yeah, going, going, walking out of there and having to wait for your Uber and not being able to go over to Jimmy's or Hooverville or whatever and keep the party going. Yeah, that that's a, probably a little bit of a buzzkill. No, and yes, it was a buzzkill, and it's completely different. Like you know, for a basketball game here or a hockey game here in Los Angeles, you're down here, you know, outside of crypto.com arena, formerly Staples Center. They have LA live, they have bars. It's all, you know, there's, there's things going on, events happening around it, convention center to, you know, have these things where this all-star game, you know, I don't know if everybody listening here has been to the Los Angeles area, Dodger stadiums way over here to the East of downtown they had the red carpet down at the uh, LA Live, which is a few miles away. But then they had the beachfront uh, events that were all the way over in Santa Monica. Nothing is centrally located for this event. and just kind of made it feel like ugh, it's kind of a hassle to hit these things versus when the Super Bowl was here and they had, which is obviously a bigger event. But they had everything centrally located, you know, down in the L.A. Live Convention Center area. But I do remember going to Safeco Field for the All-Star Game. And they used, you know, where the Wamu Theater is now. Is that what it's still called? Um, I, That's what I call it. I'm not sure now. But, yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah, or the Microsoft. I don't know what it's. You know the area across there on Occidental where all the bars are at? Uh... They had, they had the events in there. You know, you have Occidental. We also have Lumen Field. I mean, it is a lot of this. They have more things in Seattle that you can host these events and do these things that are closer to the stadium than Dodger Stadium. And I just think that's going to be much more enjoyable. I also feel like the optics when you're in there of seeing things in Dodger Stadium, the weather... Obviously, it was very hot. It was very sunny. The sun's coming down. It was very hard to see the balls when they were hit. 
yes, that can happen at T-Mobile, but I just think the structure itself keeps, you know, sun out, obviously rain out when they're with, with the roof. But I just feel like the lighting in there is obviously more state of the art. I feel like it's just for a spectator going to be much more of a enjoyable event. No, I, I feel you. And with the, with the way the stadium's located here during that time of day, the sun will probably be on its way past the stadium, not right over top of it like it is where Dodger Stadium, what you're saying. Yeah, it just it just beats down on you in there. And, you know, you know, it, I'm not slamming it as, as, like, I did not have a good time. It's not a great place to go. You should definitely go to Dodger Stadium. It's been there forever. It's part of, uh, of, there's a lot of history. If you really want to learn the history about Dodger Stadium, you'll probably be disappointed, but you can go back and see how they got that land for that stadium, which I just, I watched on, uh, which I really didn't know. I'm, I mean, obviously could have suspected something happened, but it, it is pretty, kind of a sad story about how Dodger Stadium got put in that particular spot and what was there before. Go, you can Google it. Look it up on YouTube. It's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, just listening to you, I, what I'm taking away from you is you had a great time. It was enjoyable. You were happy to be there. But next year, you're really looking forward to it. Coming to Seattle and what Seattle has to offer and how Seattle does it. And we'll do it Seattle's way, and it'll be awesome. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ballgame. I want to see the ants. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. I was fucking down with these uniforms that they had. Oh, so, so okay. There's two, two thoughts out there. Some of the older fans are fans my age or the old school guys like it to see each each uh, player in their hometown jersey but you like the jerseys huh well yeah I remember that they used to do it the other way around on home run derby day they were wearing the American League and the National League and this particular year and I don't know if they've done this before it seemed to switch because look on the home run derby day Julio was in his all white Mariners uniform, white bottoms, white tops. My probably least favorite look on the Mariners. And, you know, after watching the home run derby, I feel and watching Julio do his thing in that jersey, which will be an, a very, like, which is an iconic performance for him, but definitely a breaking out, coming out performance. That's going to be like the Mitchell and Ness jersey in a few years, just like the blue Griffey one I have from 97. That's just going to be the same kind of thing. You know, or the Edgar I have from 92. That's going to be a Julio moment. It's going to be in that white jersey. And in fact, that was the only Julio jersey I could get before the All-Star game. So I had the white Julio jersey because that was it. I would never have thought that's what he was going to be wearing in the home run derby. Yeah, you're one of the lucky ones, though, because I've been reading and seeing that it's been sold out at the team store and it's... No, nobody has a Julio jersey in stock right now, so you're one of the lucky ones. Even the white ones? I could, I don't know that as far as that information. I just know that it's been hard to get a Julio jersey, period. 
The all-star ones, I know for a fact, are very hard to get. I mean, I've seen the posts on social media. I've had my friend Chris, Chris Jensen, shout out to CJ. What's up? He hit me up and he said, hey, if they got any Julio jerseys down there, if you see one, snag it. He even knows somebody who can't even get him one. You know, he's... I know insiders. I can't get one. It's it, it is it is the hottest thing in town. Is that Julio American League? What is the gray jersey with the gold lettering? Seattle forty four. You know that thing looks pretty damn sweet, and it sucks that we can't get them out. And also, I don't even think they made Ty France ones. Oh, he was yeah. He got announced too late. What a Speaking of the jerseys, I know Grandma has to have an opinion of the jerseys. What was hers? Did you talk yeah, to her about it? Yeah, she's too old. Yeah, she's too old school. Grandma Norma hit me up, and she I think she said on the text, she goes, what's the deal with these prison yard uniforms? And I guess oh, she's... Burn. Yeah, or the jailbird uniforms. I guess she's referring to, to the gray-looking jerseys. Um, I, guess, I guess I get it. That's kind of... <laughs> but I like them a lot. I love them. I want to get a Julio. If you got the Julio 44 out there or you got the plug on it, hit us up at the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast at gmail.com. Again, you know where to get one of these Julio jerseys, the all-star ones. Hit us up at Rye Bread and Mustard podcast at gmail.com. Do that instead of making yourself some money by buying it and reselling it online because you are a dedicated listener and a friend of the show. And the 72nd Major League Baseball All-Star Game, it's here on Fox. I noticed that something maybe I've never noticed before, that 44 around his neck. You ever seen that? No, I saw an interview, though, during one of the pregame shows, and he said his boy from New York, a jeweler, made it for him. And he, you know, usually he never wears it during the game, but he wears that chain, he takes that portion off. Um, when he's playing, but yeah, he, he was hyping that up. His boy in New York made that for him. Oh, that's nice. See, I was wondering if he just, that's good to know because I was just thinking, cause I haven't seen it before. I thought he took his home run derby check and cashed it in for that already. <laughs> yeah. That's no, what I would have uh, Yeah, exactly. You might have another one coming up. Who knows? You got it. Yeah. He made more in the derby than he makes. During the regular season this year for the Mariners with his rookie contract. That's right. He gets paid $700,000 and he got $750,000 for his performance in the Home Run Derby. Yeah, and he's going to be making a lot more money um, on endorsements. He's after his showing this weekend, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, I definitely. His stock has definitely risen. And you know what? for that performance that either Major League Baseball or ESPN is paying or they both are they got their money's worth they got a show Julio got his money's worth obviously because he's more than doubled his salary and uh, you know with that $750,000 I'm hoping Julio I'm pretty sure he's probably tipped out his batting practice uh, home run derby pitcher and of course Hanno you know this you gotta tip your bartenders. You gotta take care of Ty France. He was serving up the Gatorade and keeping him hydrated. Yep, sure was. Oh, so his batting practice pitcher, Frammy is his name. I found out through Mariners social media. 
That's his boy from back in the Dominican Republic. He's been throwing to him for years. He runs camps down there, so they've been buddies for years. And it, I, what a cool story to bring him out to L.A. Saw him on the red carpet with Julio and his family. So that guy had an all-star weekend as well as Julio. He shares the wealth with all his good friends from back home. This is All-Star Baseball. It's the only new baseball game this season for Nintendo 64, featuring the first-ever Cooperstown Hall of Fame team, including Nolan Ryan and Reggie Jackson. Four new Major League ballparks and an all-new batting practice mode to hone your slugging skills. Questions? Didn't think so. All-Star Baseball 2001, rated E for everyone. Yeah, the only disappointing thing about the whole derby was Julio not winning and receiving the trophy from Griffey, who was in attendance, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. It, it was great to see Griffey in attendance. I put uh, a moment on our um, Instagram where Griffey was walking over after Julio had just finished his final round and he was walking over to the National League side. And yes, Griffey did hand over the trophy to Juan Soto when Juan Soto... One And the other thing I have to say about that is it seemed like that focus of Griffey with the trophy didn't get the same focus that Bad Bunny did with the necklace. I do like the necklace. I think it's cool. I think they should just wait for a little bit so that like wait a few minutes then put that on him because I don't feel like the trophy got any kind of love once that necklace was out there. Yeah, it was really hard to tell because with television and all, you know, they're trying to fit it in and then go to their next programming because the derby runs long. So, it, yeah, it's really rushed, isn't it? Yeah, it was really it was really rushed. And I just, again, I feel like, yeah, it's great they got Bad Bunny out there. He's a big draw. I love the necklace, the home run king, you know, blink. It's awesome. I love it. I just want a little bit more focus on the home run derby championship trophy that they're giving him it just seemed like here's this now oh shit (laughs) get this out of here (laughs) give me that necklace that's what it kind of felt like but yeah it was disappointing but again julio won this uh won this week but again i still think julio won the entire all-star week yeah you had stanton be the mvp the next day you had buxton hit a home run not much happened in that game. There weren't very moments. I mean, the pickoff was great of Otani. But, yeah, you know, there was a lot of the production was great. You know, the the talking to the players was awesome. But, yeah, in that moment, it would have been great to see Griffey hand over the trophy. And I know a lot of fans really want that because people compare the two together. But, but... Griffey has recently said in an article with, to, or to The Athletic in an interview, I don't know what it is, but I've seen the, the, the quote tweeted, tweeted around, and Griffey wants, it says, Seattle, The Athletic had tweeted out, Seattle Julio's Rodriguez has garnered comparisons to Ken Griffey Jr. We know this because we're Mariners fans, but the rest of the people are kind of doing that. But Griffey wants that to stop. Quote, Quit comparing me to him, he said. Let that man create his own path. And I really like that. And I like that for two reasons. One, for Griffey himself. He doesn't want to be compared to somebody else. He can't do anything about it. His numbers sit still. He also just is probably tired of talking about that. And number two, he also knows that 
this has got to bother or hinder a young player that's going to be in somebody's shadows for no reason. I mean, in somebody's shadows for obvious, you know, similar reasons, but also how that can deter or, you know, disrupt what this person's doing. He's looking out for Julio when he says that. He's not saying it to be like, I don't want to be compared to somebody young. He's just, this is, like he said, let this man create his own path. And I think Julio's doing that. Yeah, I agree. I've heard many um, interviews with Julio with him getting compared to like Alex Rodriguez because Alex Rodriguez is his favorite player. And Julio always says he wants to be himself. You know, he wants to create his own path. Same with Griffey. You know, he's been compared to Griffey because they're both homegrown Mariner talents that came out early on in their age. You know, Griffey a couple years younger. They both have very similar numbers in their first year playing. But yeah, they are not really the same player. But, you know, they will always be compared because both him and Griffey are phenoms. Yeah, but I mean, if if Julio's not on the Mariners, are you going, this is Ken Griffey Jr.? He's not left-handed. That's know? a great point. The other thing, when you're comparing this rookie season with Griffey's rookie season, let's remember, too, Griffey was 19 years old when this happened. You know, so there's a there's a there's a big difference between a 20 year old body and mind and a 19 year old mod body and mind, especially in the game of baseball. Yeah, like I said, and I agree with you on everything. If the comparison just comes down to they're both homegrown Mariners. That's the only correlation of why they're being compared together. I agree with you. And the fact that they smile and they like to be out there and play baseball every day. Yeah. For different reasons. I mean, you know, Julio grew up in the Dominican Republic around baseball, and I'm sure he's been around all these great, you know, Dominican players that definitely have a tight community, definitely have a tight, you know, alumni, and also they have they take pride in their, you know, Olympic teams and their national teams in the Caribbean leagues and stuff like that. And Griffey, you know, he grew up in a dugout. Yeah. You know, he grew up in a major league dugout, so maybe him at 19 was more accelerated from just being around, you know, around major league baseball and around maybe, you know, the Yankee, Yankees players, the big red machine. And also, of course, both of their, you know, makeups and size and talent definitely got them there. But I mean, so they, I feel like Griffey maybe had a little bit of an edge on that. But like, I believe, like, look, I'm starting to compare them right now. I shouldn't compare them, but... I've just said, you know, even though he says stop and we say stop and Julio says stop, you know, a lot of these people aren't. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Mariners have not been successful like this and had this vibe, you know, since back then. And so it's kind of this thing where we're just looking for this Messiah that's going to take us, you know, back to the playoffs and it happens to be a young center fielder so now all of a sudden we're just re-romanticizing this is going to be Griffey and then if he doesn't become Griffey you know then it's he's a letdown and like that's definitely what Griffey's also protecting him from that by saying that I believe no that's a great point I mean yeah we could try to compare him and contrast him but yeah, what you said, I believe that, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, do they both have power? Sure. Do they both have good arms? Sure. Were they both bigger center fielders that could do it? 
Sure. Did they all both wear Mariners? Sure. Did they both play in the kingdom? Ah, I got you. He never <laughs> played in the kingdom. So comparison ends right there. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the Kingdom Shuttle. A special Metro Transit Shuttle that runs in addition to regular bus service for all major Kingdom events. It lets you park far away from the crowds and still ride right up to the Kingdom. All right, speaking of the home run derby, you know, the, the whole reason Julio lost was because of the rules and the way it's set up. <laughs> we got to talk about this because I have so many mixed feelings. Like, I do like the drama and the urgency of a running clock. It reminds me of the three-point contest in the NBA All-Star Game weekend, which is, I think, way better than the slam dunk contest. I know the home run derby is the slam dunk contest, I guess, of the you know major league weekend. It used to just be um, ten outs per player. I don't know if they had brackets or they just took the top people from each league after one round. That kind of always seemed like it changed or, or was modified a little bit. But now in recent years, we've gone with this big running clock, which yes, you get to see tons. Of home runs, but I don't think you get to enjoy the home runs. Oh, I agree with you totally. I mean, watching on TV this year, they had the split screen, but you can't track the ball all the way to the crowd and how far it goes before he's swinging again at the next pitch. So you lose some of the luster and the beauty of the home run derby and the power and the grace and how they can just flat out crush the ball. Well, yeah, and you have what happened here and what happened to Vladdy Jr. as well. Both of these guys, he, what Julio hit 81 and what did uh, Vladdy hit 91? And they both walked away with L's in the home run derby. But, yeah. you know, you don't talk about the person who won. It's very strange. I felt like it was a very Seattle-esque loss in a way where you're like, well, we played, our team beat the shit out of them, played better than them. And we're the highlight reel, but for some reason we didn't walk away with the W. That's what that kind of felt like. And I don't know what they can do to fix this. I do want to say it moved a little bit slow and nothing seemed to change when there was only 10 outs. But the thing about somebody waiting for the right pitch to know this is the pitch and hitting that pitch out of the park was pretty awesome. Um, You couldn't just get off a swing every you know five to seven seconds you also had to wait yes as far as watching on tv or even in the crowd you really got to watch these majestic 450 foot home runs and i'll tell you what when you're there in the crowd and i remember some of them but i don't remember very many home runs because you're watching one then you're watching the next you're literally it's felt like to me i was just looking for the launch angles and then getting ready for the next pitch I would see the angle of it and go, that's gone. And you could kind of look out at the crowd and see the crowd, you know, kind of get getting together where the ball was coming. But for the most part, yeah, you had to crack. Look, next pitch, crack, you know. 
it gets a little bit old. You know, as far as watching on television, how did that? How was that? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing where you can't follow the home run hit all the way through. You know, because you're then it's like you're watching a tennis match back and forth. You're never able to see the full home run and finish it all the way through and where it lands and how far it was. But I'm with you. Um, the, the system's better, but I wish we could figure out how to tweak it a little better to get the whole appreciation of the home run. Yeah, and I wish there was a way that... I don't know. You know, if you want to do it this way, that's fine. I just feel like maybe at this point you could, I don't really always like fan interaction, but I'd taken a page out of American Idol of like, all right, these guys get three minutes to crack as many home runs as they want. We know the velocity. We know the distance. We know if it's a money ball, what have you. And then have a fan vote of like who was better. (laughs) whose home runs were more impressive whose were better we have a vote and that's the way it happens yeah so they calculate in how many they hit how far they hit them what was more graceful so it's like almost like a combination of a dunk contest in a way too where you're judging each dunk but you're judging a concession or succession of each home run ball yeah, and I think that's what we want to see in home run debris. We don't want to see the wall scrapers. We want to see the skyscrapers, right? So I mean, yeah, I know that they did. I know that they did reward you in the rounds and give you bonus time, like it's a pinball game of you know if you hit a certain amount of distance. So that was cool. Yeah. I understood that. That's actually kind of what the difference was there in that last round was that extra 30 seconds there in that final round where Soto got the extra minute and Julio only got 30 seconds. And I think that had to do with distance. So, I mean, yes, they let that be a factor, but there's just got to be a better way. I do feel like the old way, you're kind of getting the same thing over and over again. Um, the seating just seem very strange because if you were seeding reseeding this thing you'd have to say julio was number one or two yeah from my understanding the way it got seeded initially was by how many home runs each guy had hit through the first half oh i see but i'm with but i'm with you it's julio hitting is the amount of home runs he did and Vladdy jr like you said something should have been a benefit to julio there I know this would be too hypocritical for MLB, but you know, you let like DraftKings or you let one of those other those companies, you know, go. These are the odds of the players, and that's how you see them. But obviously, that would be very hypocritical by MLB, especially when they haven't let Pete Rose in the, you know, Hall of Fame yet. But like, they're not going to go. MLB's not going to go anywhere too close to the gambling thing like that. But yeah, I just I didn't understand the seating. Like again, I think Julio had a harder path. Um, like we mentioned. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And sure, I'm a homer and uh, want, really wanted Julio to win and it was a drag when he didn't. But yeah, if it could be tweaked somehow, I don't have an answer yet, but you know, we got to talk our way through this and figure it out. And here's my one thing I forgot to say about Griffey's thing. And yeah, and I know people want to compare Griffey's home run derby because people go Griffey home run derby you know it's like hand in hand definitely our generation and even younger people probably especially more go home run derby that though yeah that's uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s thing but I kept hearing this comparison of like well you know 
Julio already hit more home runs than Griffey ever did in the Derby. And, okay, fine. He hit 81. Griffey hit 70 with his three victories and, and other performances. But back then, they weren't allowed to have this running shot clock where you could just knock, you know, 20, 32 home runs in a round. I think Griffey would have been very capable of that. Yeah, Griffey just got hot with, like Julio did in the, in his at-bats. But Griffey got hot without making 10 outs, you know? Yeah, it was a different game. It was definitely like, I'm hitting this ball out of the park now. Boom, boom. You only got 10 outs, you're right. You know, you had big guys go up there like Piazza and, you know, come away with nothing. It was definitely a skill of going, I'm intending on hitting this ball out of the park. It was a different game back then. Yeah, it was. Hey, I got a question. So I love the home run derby. That's what it's all about. You know, home run derby. What? I was thinking, could, would you like to incorporate like a skills competition, like a in that two, Monday night thing where outfielders are thrown in trying to hit targets or something? I know I'm a big baseball nerd, but I kind of would like to see some of that athleticism from the players as well provided during that evening. I would too. I definitely think that would be fun. Uh, like a run and gun. You could even have something with a base runner and you know an outfielder beating a throw also like you said coming up fielding throwing precision where i think this won't work is the clubs and the players might not want to participate because that just seems very physical that's kind of the reason some of them don't do the home run derby i mean just getting sore or injury i mean even julio as young as julio is he was sore he said he was sore and if you watch the replay <laughs> of um, the home run by Buxton, the second home run after Stanton, they pan over to, or they go over, they cut over to the dugout, and it's Aaron Judge and it's Julio just cheering on, but Julio's got like hyper, the, like a hypervolt gun, massage gun, and he's working out all the kinks in his neck and his back and his shoulder because he's about to go into the game. So, I mean, I'm, I would like to know how sore Albert Pujols Albert Pujols was today. I mean, he looked like he was moving all right there at the ESPYs, but, you know, who knows? He could have had a lot of treatment all day today. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about Albert. That's us out there, and I know how sore I would be. The World Series, where a pitch is not just a pitch. It's a World Series pitch. Where a hit is not just a hit. It's a World Series hit. A win is not just a win, it's a World Series win. Now you've got a chance to win a trip to the 1984 World Series by entering Major League Baseball's Grand Slam sweepstakes at all Major League ballparks and participating retailers. Baseball favor, catch it! The preceding message was furnished by Major League Baseball. Okay, and another thing that happened over this All-Star weekend was the MLB Draft. I don't personally, you know, just the way we're brought up watching baseball, I know that the draft is kind of a big thing now with the MLB Network. They've done a great job of it. I'm still having a hard time getting into it. I don't even know who we drafted. I don't watch college baseball. I don't watch base, uh, high school baseball, so I really don't know. I kind of just get into it up here in the major leagues. But uh, do you know who we drafted, Hanno, and, who, and what should we know about these people? 
Well, I know about our first round pick. Well, that's fine. Let's um, just do that one. That works for me. Perfect. Uh, his name is Cole Young. He's a shortstop. Uh, comp. He's a left-handed hitter. Comp. I heard is Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves. Probably stay at shortstop. Good hitter. Um, to recap the draft, um, the Mariners out of their twenty picks, they picked eleven pitchers, two outfielders, six infielders, and one catcher. So it w- it was pretty well rounded, I would say. Very heavy on pitching. And, you know, last year the Angels made all their picks were pitchers. So it's uh you know, these we won't hear from these kids for another yeah. three to six years. So. That's why the draft to me and even talking about it is big snooze fest. But what <laughs> what I did find interesting was I saw that Ryan Roland Smith was our representative, which I think's really cool. Uh, he was the representative for the Mariners. That's who they sent. Which led me to read the article about it. You know, props to Ryan Roll Smith. But I started to go down the list, and there's some interesting people on this list. You know, you got the Raleigh Fingers, you got Fred McGriff, you got Sean Green. You know, you even got 91 year old Jack McKeon on here. Remember, he was the manager of uh, the uh, Florida Marlins uh, championship yeah. team see some names you haven't seen in a while like Mark Loretta, Lieberthal uh, oh, also Reggie Sanders Jermaine Dye, Nick Swisher, cool but what really started to stand out to me as I was going down this list was there's quite a bit of ex-Mariners on here which I was telling you about earlier and I went through here and out of 30 teams, out of 30 teams there are 7 former Mariners as representatives for teams. Wow. Yeah. What seven? Well, almost a full team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll go down the list here. We had uh, Ricky Weeks. He was the uh, Brewers uh, representative. And I believe we got him from the Brewers. Yeah. And then we had uh, Brendan Ryan. You remember him? Yeah, shortstop. Yeah, he was representing the St. Louis Cardinals, Brendan Ryan, uh, former Mariner. Then, of course, we had the D-backs representative, J.J. Putz. Yeah, that was a good trade for him and to get rid of him. Yep. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we had Ryan Rolnsmith, like I mentioned. We also had one. Here's a throwback Mariner, back to the power company, right? Uh, He played in the outfield. With Jay Buhner and Ken Griffey Jr. Also played for the 86 Mets and was a big star on the San Francisco Giants, Mr. Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yeah. When I hear, when I hear that name, all I think about is that catch he made barehanded down the left field line in the dome. Yeah, that was, it's always going to be on uh, the greatest hits. And I don't know why sometimes they put on the greatest plays and I've also seen on the blooper reel, which I'm like, it's not a blooper. Um, yeah, no. he, he was there for the Mets. That was the team that, uh, you know, he came up with. And then we also had, uh, representing the Rays, Denard Span. Denard Span played yeah. the year over here. I really enjoyed Denard, Denard Span. I think I wish we would have got him a year earlier. He was in there on that 2018 team that was falling apart. And he was literally the most steady hand besides uh, Segura down the stretch. Yeah, I know that he's a favorite mid-season pickup of yours in Mariner history. Um, here's another Mariner representing the Red Sox. Mr. Cowboy up himself, Mike Timlin. 
Timlin coming out of the uh, the bullpen. Yeah, he was good for us a few years. Yeah, but yeah, seven Mariners there at the drive. Hopefully they got a picture together. I don't know if they did, but I'm hoping they did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember this part in our careers? You know, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to get a picture. It doesn't seem like a lot of them had the greatest times here. Yeah, it's in that picture. They're part of the 20-year exodus of uh, Mariner playoff history. Don't settle for anything less than the best in the West, where you'll find trucks, trucks, and more trucks on River Road in Puyallup. And tell them the bone sent you. After this episode, we are done celebrating the Home Run Derby. We will reference it, but we're done talking about that. We're done talking about All-Star Weekend. We are getting back to the Seattle Mariners. And honestly, here's how I felt altogether about the All-Star Weekend was it was boring compared to what we've been watching as far as the Mariners and their 14-game winning streak and their climb back into the postseason race and currently holding down a wild card spot. Did you feel the same? Oh, heck yeah, brother. I've missed every every minute of it. I mean, I can't wait till Friday. Our boys are back on the field and they'll be playing every day for the next few months and we'll get back on this roller coaster and ride it out and I have a good feeling about it. Yeah, and I just want to say quickly, our very next episode is dropping tomorrow. We're basically going to make it like a pretty much an easy how to use guide to the Mariners, especially if you're a bandwagon fan, especially if you're just somebody that just didn't want to get hurt and wasn't emotionally invested, but now you are and you want to know what's going on. We're going to break down quickly where we're at with the Mariners, what could possibly happen here coming up with trading deadlines, what kind of numbers we want to see, especially in the next couple of weeks was playing the Yankees and the Astros quite a bit and just kind of putting out some projections and just talking Mariners again, not just home run derby, not just what the world thinks, but back to what we think here on the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast, along with all the underground hardcore Mariners fans that are listening to this. Thank you again for liking and you know, giving us reviews and giving us those five-star reviews. Again, right, Hannah, we like five-star tool players, but what we like more is five-star reviews for this podcast, right? Yep, yep. Yep. And also be on the lookout for the YouTube. We're finally going to launch that here coming very shortly. But again, thank you for liking and, you know, downloading these episodes that's really important. If you like them, download them, share them, put the word out. Thank you again. This has been episode, this is episode 24 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. Hanno, you know what time it is. Charge. <laughs>